Hi there, and welcome to the ATS Podcast with me, Will Brown, and John Soulsby, where we break down chunks of health and fitness information into bite-sized pieces, remove a bunch of the noise, and just leave what's relevant. Uh, today, on episode number 60, we are talking about the science of elite athletes. So what kind of stuff makes elite athletes different from just everyday Joe blogs? Genetics. <laughs> Pretty much. Saws. <laughs> yeah, pick better parents. Uh, depends. I think I always argue that it depends on the sport. Um, sports with a high tactical element, which would be like, well, tactics, obviously. Um, but I think you tend to see a lot wider genetic variance in sports that have a tactical element because it allows yeah. for people without the genetic qualities that would come with a decent, like, kind of. Uh, elite performer model to kind of get their way and kind of wangle things. Yeah. But there's really no tactics in the 100 meters, so you're really it's probably awesome. not going to be beating Usain Bolt sprints. The um, Although, I mean, even that is like kind of wild because it's like, I don't know anywhere near enough about sprinting, but Usain Bolt was apparently terrible biomechanically for the 100 meter sprint and everyone's like nah he's not gonna be that great because he's too long or something like that well I, th- like, I, I low chokes lads yeah I, th- I think people under underrated because i was weirdly i was looking up his um specific stats the other day just because the question because arrived. Age old question <laughs> yeah that question arrived in the group chat of yeah if you or what was it where it is uh you can start yeah you have to race record pace usain bolt uh, you win a hundred grand if you beat him, and you can get a head start in ten meter increments. And for every ten meter increment head start you take, you lower the prize by ten grand. And it's like, yeah. where do you start? So like, if you take fifty grand, if you take fifty meter head start, you start on the fifty, he starts on the zero, and you've still got to beat him to the hundred. And let me no, tell I'm you, not. callers, <laughs> that's not fucking happening. I think I'd start. I think starting on the eighty. I think I'd be with you on that. So yeah, I, I think what a lot of people again, this is just this is just an assumption based on Usain Bolt's I mean physical appearance and also splits and how he breaks down the run is that a lot of typical sprinters will build up to top speed within the first like kind of forty meters, fifty meters, and then just attempt to maintain slash not lose as much as possible for the last fifty. Yeah. Like they accelerate extremely rapidly and then attempt to maintain top speed for as long as possible uh usain bolt because of his big long ass limbs very much started quite slow Uh, i'm pretty sure almost all of his like winning 100 meters do not like he doesn't he doesn't get to the front of the pack until about halfway or the last third because he naturally has a much easier time maintaining close to top speed once he gets to stride out and stops taking those kind of very short, explosive, choppy steps in the beginning. So yeah, he just takes a little while longer to build up to top speed. Like, his fastest splits are between 50 meters and 90 meters. Because then he cruises the last 10. Uh, yeah, he does cruise the last 10. Although his last 10 is slower than his first 20. Uh, his first 30, in fact. <laughs> yeah. Like, the his, his 10 cruising. meters, his 10 meter splits don't drop 
significantly until 30 to 40 meters on and onwards. Like, it takes him almost two seconds to run the first ten meters. In fact, it, it, actually takes him, it actually takes him almost three seconds to run the first 20 meters. Which is quite, oh, terrifying which is quite wild. Running. Yeah. <laughs> and then, the rest of the time, he is under a second per ten meters. <laughs> You're like, That's so fast. Like, you, you genuinely would struggle to start at the 80. And run the twenty, yeah. the last twenty years. By the time he catches you, which is terrifying. Uh, but yes, on topic, the the science of elite athletes is largely a genetic component. Um, the sports tend to self-select for people that are elite genetically at them. Like I think, like the the argument of. Like Michael Phelps, it, like there's a lot of kind of chat and discourse regarding um, uh, genetic factors in sport participation and classification, um, just around transgender athletes and competing in sports and various things. And people always cite things like Michael Phelps has like absolutely turbo long arms and is like essentially as yeah like as about as hydrodynamic as a human can be, along with like essentially paddles for arms. And you're like, yes, but that's kind of why he is so good at swimming. Like, you you just don't see very many short-armed, dense humans in the pool doing well because your hips go very low, your hydrodynamism goes down, and your stroke force is terrible. And it's like, if you have to pull double the strokes to get the same distance as somebody else, can get them in like yeah like half your strokes you're probably not gonna have a good time swimming <laughs> yeah it's like unsurprisingly you also see quite long-armed very muscular people in rowing because they have extremely long stroke distance like very efficient stroke lengths and a propensity to hold on to a whole heap of muscle that allows them to row very efficiently for certain periods of time yeah, it's not wild. Weightlifting tends to favor cubes. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you are essentially a cube of a human that is incredibly short and just enormously muscular, especially after training, then there you go. <laughs> um, I think after just raw genetics, <clears throat> the next thing is just, like, unbelievable consistency. Yeah, the next the next big uh, thing is just consistency of training. Like, big... Uh, like Tony like Cliff, some... Tony Cliff had yeah. that where he was on about. Uh, <laughs> it was in a I was in a group chat with him for a powerlifting competition that I was doing the admin for, and someone asked him how he benches, like how on earth he's managed to bench over two hundred. They've just hit their first two hundred and just about died, doing mm -hmm. it, and he was like, "Nah, I'd like do five by five for eighteen years." <laughs> you're like, yeah, yeah that'd do that do it. That do it. <laughs> yeah, um... strength train for eighteen years. Like Sam Warburton, um, ex Wales international bread uh, guy. captain, um, hi, um, big bread guy, but he he was talking about that recently in the lead up to the World Cup of just um, consistency of training and like uh, France are as an example I suppose are widely renowned as one of the best teams at the moment. Their two of their hookers have been playing in the front row together since they were ten years old. 
like 20, 23, 24, I can't remember how old, but they're it's like, funnily enough, they're fucking good. Because they've yeah. been doing the same thing and this this nice example together since they were ten. Yeah, I think and the rugby like, uh... that is unbelievable. And oh, they yeah. and training like obviously in the weight room and everything since probably not ten, but um again, just like unbelievable consistency and want it's rare to find people that want to do the same thing yeah. for a decade. Like every week. Multiple, multiple times a week for ten years. I think that's the big one. Is that like the training can be like it will be varied somewhat, but really not, not like. Really, but not really. Yeah, like rugby doesn't really get much different. Like the rules are all yeah. kind of the same. Like you pass the same kind of ball about. Like you're in the same or roughly the same position. Like playing on the field. Yep. That's kind of your lot. Like, you really have to have the kind of drive to do that for decades to really hit, like, a kind of peak. Although rugby is a good example of where you have people that will very often break the kind of, I guess, elite performer mold. Especially when you have a diversity of positional demands in a, in a rugby in a rugby team mm-hmm. and stuff. Same with American football. Like, you have different... Yeah. Like, there's no, bit better, so, but yeah. Yeah, there's no 300-pound wide receivers. Like, it's just not a thing. No. Uh, but similar, you've got folk like Faf de Klerk playing, like I, I don't know if he's the, he's not the captain of this team, but he's like scrum half. Yeah. yeah, very pivotal person. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. he's like you Tiny. wouldn't pick him <laughs> off the tree. As I mean, you would if you know him. But you know what I mean? Like if zero context, you probably wouldn't pick him as an international rugby player who is one of the most physical bastards in the circuit. <laughs> yeah, um, he weighs eighty kegs. <laughs> And plays yeah. international rugby, and like at any position, eighty kegs is small. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, consistency is the next one. Just unbelievable consistency, and a bit of luck not to get a uh, catastrophic injury really early on. Yeah, he's also five foot five. I did not actually know his height. He just always looks small. Oh, he's that is very small. <laughs> he always looks small because he's besides next to everyone six foot seven. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's pretty much the two main keys. Yeah, genetics and stuff, genetics and consistency of training. Like over time, there's even like young athletes and stuff have been training a while. Like you see this in powerlifting a lot with like up and coming juniors, and you're like, oh, they're juniors, so they're between eighteen and twenty three. But realistically, if you're an eighteen year old who's been training since they were fourteen, that's still like four years of training. Like if you have any moderate genetic potential, like you can really get quite good in four years. Yeah, if you consistently um... train for four years. Or like there's um one he's literally just left the juniors um downhill mountain bike um guy he Jackson Goldston but he's mm-hmm. it's his first year out of juniors and he's I think he's currently third overall with That's like three wild. races left in the year but there's videos of him at like two and three years old on a balance bike hitting jumps and you're like what is going on like <laughs> yeah. so he's been twenty years riding bikes. Yeah, that'll do like it. Like every every day. <laughs> like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I think it's also why um, part of decent like sports development stuff is uh, like talent identification and getting folks into yeah. sports. Like I was watching um, someone linked me a clip of Jeff Capes from back in the day, the mm-hmm. world's strongest guy, but he uh, from the UK, but he was a shot putter, 
Like, he would do right, a lot yeah. of kind of, like, uh, throwing events. And mm-hmm. uh, they were talking about how he started in school, or, like, he got into it in school. And you're like, what schools these days are letting kids chuck shot and discus yeah. and hammer? Like, it's one of those of, like, if you don't really know that that's a thing and you're a kid, like, unless somebody, like, picks you out and is like, you might be good at this. Like, you might want to try yeah. this. You're never going to be exposed to those kinds of sports. The same with, like, snow sport stuff, like winter sports. Winter I mean, sports especially, that's luck. Very much so. I mean, all yeah. the, the classic, the very classic, completely completely scientific documentary of the Jamaican bobsleigh team. Uh, <laughs> from, like, a bunch of cool on, on the bubble, on the bubble 100 meter racers from Jamaica who end up being the Jamaican yeah. bobsleigh team. But it's a reasonable example of talent identification. Like, if you have folk who yeah. are, like, just on the bubble of other stuff, they might actually be better suited to other sports that they just don't know are about. Yeah. Like, nobody's, yeah, nobody's like, oh, I want to, like, watch, like, nobody grows up doing the modern pentathlon, like, the modern pentathlon or whatever it is. Like, yeah, I think, yeah, especially picked. in more niche sports, it is like a... <clears throat> There's an element of luck if you've got to find the right one. Yeah. Early. But yeah, in summary, the science of elite athletes is very consistent. Consistency. Yeah, very consistent and non-stupid training for a long period of time combined with advanced to elite levels of genetics, and then you will have elite performers. You can obviously mess that up, but, you know, when people don't, you end up with world champs. Yeah. It's also a bit naive to think that the only difference between you and the world champion in your sport is that they do some weird. There's one weird trick. They don't. There's one. There's one weird trick of better parents. Yeah, I can assure you, none of it's weird. It's almost all like there'll even be cases where people on the amateur level are actually working harder than some elite performers, and are just not getting there. And that's just how it goes sometimes. Uh, right, we'll catch you guys in the next one.